Well, last week, most of you will remember that we enjoyed the preaching of Brother Bigham, and so it has been a couple of weeks now since we have been in our study of Ecclesiastes. I'm not going to review the last couple of messages. We're just going to get into this message this morning. And as we do, let me just say this. I know that there's the possibility and the likelihood of some overlap in today's message with previous messages and previous thoughts. And I would simply say this for those who may say, well, why are we talking about this again? Not that it would be you who would say it, but if somebody were to say something like that, uh, I would say that we're talking about it again because the Scripture brings us to it again. And if the Scripture brings us to it again, or maybe if the Scripture brings it to us over and over and over again, it may be doing it for the reason that we need it or that someone needs it. And so... Be patient and be mindful of the fact that though it may not be you who needs it today, there may be someone who does need it, but it could be you. Slight chance it could be you. Anyways, that said, this morning I, wanna, I want you to consider a scenario that probably most of us have been in at some point in our life, in some area of our lives. It would go something like this. You knew something was wrong, but you didn't know what it was. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You knew something was wrong, but you did not know what it was that was wrong about that situation. Like I said, it could be in many different areas of our lives that this would happen. Sometimes it happens in something as simple as driving down the road in your car, and all of a sudden your car starts doing something that it's never done before. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You get in the car, you started it yesterday, there were no problems yesterday, there were no issues, but today you've started the car and all of a sudden you've got a new noise that you didn't have yesterday. And so you're saying to yourself, something's not right, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what the issue is, but I know that something is not what it's supposed to be. Sometimes, though, it is a little bit more serious. Sometimes it happens in our health, doesn't it? Sometimes there's something wrong with our health. We just know that we're not feeling normal. We're not feeling like we used to. We're not feeling like ourselves. And so we would say something like this maybe to someone, you know, something's just not right. I don't know what it is, but it's just not right. Moving on, you could say it in a scenario like this, that in a relationship that sometimes things are not right, things are not what they should be, but you don't know what's wrong in that relationship. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You, you just know it's not like it once was. You know that it's not like what it was before. And yet you may not be able to put your finger on it as to what it is that has changed things in that relationship. So if you were like me, here is what would be true of you. That when something is wrong and you don't know what is the cause of it now being wrong... You want to find out what's made it wrong. And all I mean by that is this. Say it's your car that's messing up. It's your car that's not doing something that it used to do. Or it's now doing something that it should not be doing. If you're like me, you're going to talk to someone and say, Hey, my car is doing this. What do you think the problem is? But if it's our health, we many times go to a doctor and we say to the doctor, Hey, listen, I'm just not feeling normal. I'm not feeling like I had been feeling. There's something going wrong. We want answers to what it is that's messing things up. And many times in relationships, we go to the person where things are obviously different and we say something like this, 
hey, listen, I, I don't know what's wrong between you and I. I know that things are different. Can you tell me what's different between us? Would you admit that you're somewhat like me in that manner, that whenever you know something is wrong, you want to know what is wrong, what the source of it is, and maybe how it can be corrected? Well, I don't know if this has ever been true of you, but sometimes when you find out what is wrong, you wish you hadn't found out. Well, I just wanted you to tell me that this needed to be fixed. I didn't want you to tell me that the whole thing needed to be fixed. Well, doctor, I just wanted you to give me a pill. I didn't want you to tell me I had to go in for these tests and these exams and this blood work. Well, listen, I just wanted you to say nothing is wrong and everything's fine and it's all you. I didn't want you to say it was me and something I'd done. It's true, is it not, that sometimes when we do find out what the source of what is wrong is, we're not so happy that we found out what was causing the problems to begin with. Now, as we keep that in mind, I want us to change gears a little bit. I want us to change directions just a little bit. And I want us to think about something that was mentioned a couple of weeks ago whenever Brother Sam was here and he was preaching and my inability to preach that Sunday. And he was teaching in Sunday school about how in this life a person can only approach this world with one of two philosophies or one of two mindsets. For those of you who heard the Sunday school lesson, you may remember that he said this, that, that the scripture makes it fairly clear that you will either live this life with a spiritual, godly, biblical mindset and philosophy and approach to life, or you are going to live this life with an earthly, worldly carnal approach. There are no other options. There is no route B or C rather or, or a third way in which to approach life. You're either going to approach this life from a biblical standpoint, a godly standpoint, a scriptural standpoint, or you will approach this life with a worldly, carnal, earthly philosophy. And the two very seldom intersect with one another. Because one is going this direction and the other is going this direction, you cannot help but see the contrast between the two. So all that being said, this morning I want us to think about yet something else. And you may say, well, you're asking me to think a lot. I apologize. You can quit later, okay? But right now, just think about something else and then we'll get to the text. This morning, I think if you're a student of the Scripture, if you've read through the New Testament especially, if you've given attention to what you've read and to maybe different themes that pop up from time to time, I think most of us would agree that you have to come to this conclusion as you read through the Scripture, that for the person who lives according to biblical wisdom, according to scriptural wisdom, with a, a spiritual philosophy... Something that should be true of that individual is this. Is that they find a place of contentment in their lives. A place of satisfaction where God has them. 
See, if you read through the Scripture, you can't help but read the story of the Apostle Paul. And as you read through the story of the Apostle Paul, here's what you have to admit, is that he lived with a pretty godly, pretty biblical, pretty spiritual philosophy. Did he not? He, he was the one who lived according to the Word of God. He was the one who lived according to the, the counsel and instruction of the Word of God. And as a result of that, it was the Apostle Paul that said that he had learned that no matter what state he was in, therewith to be content. So it didn't matter if he was free or if he was in prison. It didn't matter if he was well or if he had been beaten. It didn't matter what the situation was. It doesn't mean that he liked every situation that he was in, but he had learned that no matter what position in life he was in, to find contentment in that position. He didn't reach that point in his personal life. He didn't reach that point in that personal awareness by having a worldly, earthly carnal mentality. He only reached that position by having a biblical, scriptural, spiritual philosophy and approach to life. You read through the scripture and you can't deny this, that the scripture declares that we should be content with having our needs met. If we have shelter, if we have food, if we have clothing, if we have the basic essentials of this life met, we should be content and we should be satisfied. You will not reach that point if you're carnal and earthly and worldly in your philosophy of life. As you read through the Scripture, you cannot deny this truth. That Scripture warns and teaches against you and I coveting what others may have. You see that someone has something that you don't have and you'd like to have it. Well, rather than us coveting and being jealous of what they have... The Scripture teaches that we should rejoice in what they've been blessed with and to, and to celebrate how God has given them certain things that, again, maybe we would wish upon ourselves. But I can promise you, we'll not reach that point in our spiritual lives and in our daily lives. Nobody will if they are carnal and earthly in their philosophy and approach to life. Does this make sense? The scripture teaches we're supposed to be content, we're supposed to be satisfied, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be, for lack of better words, okay with where we're at. But that'll only happen when we live biblically, scripturally, spiritually, with a mind and a heart for the Lord. Now here's the uh, writer Solomon. Here is King Solomon. And this is a man who had wisdom. And he had earthly wisdom, and at times he certainly had spiritual wisdom. Did he not? Here is a man who traveled. Here is a man who observed. Here is a man who witnessed many things. He witnessed it not only of others, but he witnessed it of himself, and he witnessed it in his, in his own family, I'm sure. But I want us to look at one verse of Scripture this morning that captured my attention last week whenever I was preparing for this. Notice in verse number 7 what Solomon said. He said, all the labor of man is for his mouth. All the labor of man is for his mouth. Now I know these words are not real complicated, but I want to walk through them real quick just so that we completely and more fully understand what Solomon is saying. First of all, consider that word all. It's a pretty simple word, is it not? 
The word all means this, everything, completely, entirely, the whole. We might say it in this area like this, every bit of it. Every bit of it, completely, entirely, the whole, everything. Solomon said all the labor. What does it mean whenever he speaks of labor? He is speaking of this, the toil and the efforts and the endeavors of mankind. So he is talking about how everything that a person endeavors in, everything that a person engages in, everything that a person toils with, everything that a person involves themselves with, he said in verse number 7 that of all the labor of man, it is for his mouth. His mouth. You don't have to be a, I don't know, a real genius to know this. Every person who walks on this earth, outside of maybe some rare exception that you've seen or heard of, every person who walks on this earth has a mouth. Right? Okay. Now, whenever Solomon references the mouth, here is what I think we need to understand, that he's not really talking about the physical mouth Yet there's something that we need to understand as it relates to the mouth by way of our physical being, and that is this. Our mouth is the only thing that we have on us by way of our body that is able to take in things and to consume things. Does that make sense? <laughs> I know this is moving kind of slow, but I want us to see this, all right? The mouth is the only thing that you and I have for our bodies to take things in and to consume things. Aren't you thankful for hands? I'm thankful for my hands or for one and a half of them right now. I am thankful for them. But see, with my hands, I cannot take in anything into my body and consume it. I'm thankful for my eyes. I am thankful for my ears. I am thankful for, for every function that God has given me by way of my body. But whenever it comes to my mouth, that is the only thing that God has given me by which to take things in and to consume them. So if you think about that and the picture that it represents, then here is what Solomon is saying. He is saying that everything a person does by way of their toil, by way of their efforts, by way of their endeavors, everything they do is so that they can consume things upon themselves and take things in for their own personal pleasure and their own personal enjoyment. Now, if you think about that, the question may be, well, is that really true? Is it true that everything a person does is so that they can consume things? Well, I think the simplest answer to the question would be this. Yes, it is true, but there's some reasons why I think it is true that I want to share with us this morning. First of all, think about how many times we as a general population are referred to by others in, say, the media outlets. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we're referred to as consumers? The consumer report shows this. It shows that consumption is up. It's showing that people are consuming more of this and more of this. Now think about this. We're even identified in our population today as consumers. But think about all the things that you have and all the things that you have worked for. It is so that you can consume it and enjoy it. That's the way we operate. See, I don't know about you, but I like to eat. 
You like to eat? Of course you like to eat. I can tell by looking that most of us like to eat. Now think about how difficult that task would be if we did not get up and go to work and toil and put forth the effort every day. Okay, so the fact that I like to eat, the fact that I like to take in, the fact that I like to consume food, that is a motivating factor for me to get up and to go out and to labor and to toil and to put forth some effort and some energy. Okay, but it goes well beyond that because, see, not only do I like to eat, I I like to live in a house. I'm kind of fond of those four walls that are built around us. And, and I'm kind of fond of everything that's inside the house. And, and so there's a part of me that here's what happens. Because I like living in a house, I am motivated to get up and to go to work so that I can make a living, so that I can use part of that living to enjoy the home that gives protection and shelter for my family. So here I am, I'm one of these consumers. I like to eat and I like to have a house to live in and and I'm one of those people that likes to drive cars. I've touched on this before. I mean, don't you enjoy like the mobility of transportation? If you don't, then there's something probably a little off about you in today's society. But see, I, I, I like to have transportation. I like the mobility of that. And so here's what I know, that things like cars, they cost money. So what do I do? I go to work so that I can make money so that I can buy cars. And, and, and I like to have new clothes. And Susie likes to have new clothes. And the kids like to have new clothes. And so what do I do? I go to work so that I can make money so that I can consume more products so that I can buy his clothes. And we like to go out to eat. And we like to do this. And we like to go here and we like to do all these different things and I am no different than any of you every one of us we like to consume things so therefore here's what we do we work so that we can consume things that's the way society works so if you notice in verse number seven, he said this, that all the labor of man is for his mouth. Everything that a person does is so that they can consume it and take it in and they can enjoy it. And yet notice what he said after that. He said, and yet the appetite is not filled. The appetite is not filled. What does it mean whenever he speaks of the appetite? Well, it's a reference to who we are internally, and it is a reference to our wants, our desires, and our passions. The things that we want, the things that we desire, the things that we long for. And Solomon said of his observation and of his own personal experience that everything a person does is so that they can take it in, so that they can consume it. And yet, no matter how much they have taken in, and yet no matter how much they have consumed, the appetite, the wants, the desires, and the longings, and the passions, it is not filled. What does it mean for it to be filled? It means for it to be satisfied or completed. It's never quite enough. Now think about that in the physical sense. Have you ever known people that you just never could give them enough food? It happens with teenagers for sure, does it not? You feed them and like 30 minutes later they're hungry again. You're like, we just ate. 
And they eat some more, and then a little bit later, they're, they're hungry again. And, and it's just a never-ending process sometimes with teenagers. Sometimes that is true of us in our physical sense. But let's be honest, as you look at the world we live in, the same would be true of us as it was in Solomon's day, that when you think about just the way that people consume things, here's what you see, that so many people are never satisfied with how much they have already consumed and already enjoyed. So it doesn't matter what kind of a home they live in. They need just a little bit more in relation to that home in one way or another. It doesn't matter what kind of a car they drive. It's just a little bit more that is needed in their mind because they're never quite satisfied. They're never quite filled. They're never quite completely content with where they're at. It doesn't matter what they've experienced. It doesn't matter what they've enjoyed. You and I, we look in this world, and if we're honest, here's what we see. We see a lot of people who are blessed, and yet they're still not satisfied with everything they've been blessed with. And I think if we were honest this morning, not true of everyone maybe, but I think if we were honest this morning, here's what we would have to say. That many times the statistics are not that different among the children of God than they are in the outside world when it comes to true contentment and being fulfilled and satisfied with what's already been given to us. So I don't know what you mean. I mean this, sometimes we're just like the world, are we not? And we want just a little bit more. We're satisfied for a little bit, but, but it doesn't take long. And what do we want? We want just a little bit more. It doesn't matter what we're driving. We want something newer now. It doesn't matter where we're living. We want to relocate or we want to update or we want to upgrade. We want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do this. It doesn't matter what we're wearing. We've got to buy newer stuff. It doesn't matter what we've experienced. We've got to experience something else. It doesn't matter the pleasures that we've already been pleased with. We have to have more pleasure and more and more and more. I think if you and I were honest, here is what many of us would have to admit so many times, no matter what we've already been blessed with, we still want more. Because we have this appetite that cannot seem to be satisfied. I don't think I'm alone in this. So that says to me, that if I have an appetite that cannot be satisfied, if anyone in this room has an appetite that cannot be satisfied by way of the things of this world, and you are constantly working and constantly laboring and constantly toiling for more and more and more stuff, if that is where we're at, then you know what that indicates to me? That indicates this. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with us. 
You understand this? It, it's like the car making the weird sound. It's like, what, what's wrong? It's like the body that's not functioning normal. What's wrong? It's like the relationship that's not right. What's wrong? Listen, if you and I reach a point in our personal lives where we are working and we are working and we are working and we are laboring and everything that we are working and laboring in is so that we can have more and yet it's never enough, then what that says to you and I is this, is that there is something wrong with us spiritually. Because the Scripture says that for us as a child of God, there should be a place that we reach where we're content no matter what state we are in. That we should reach a place in our lives where we're satisfied to just have the basic necessities of life met. Where we come to a place in life where we don't have to have everything that everyone else has or what anyone else has in order for us to have joy and satisfaction and contentment in this life. See, if I have this inability to be satisfied and I'm always laboring so that I can consume more, then that indicates there is something wrong and the problem is something that many times I and people like me don't want to admit and don't want to have to deal with and come face to face with. Because see, what my lack of contentment reveals is this. I've got spiritual problems. What my lack of contentment and satisfaction reveals is this. I'm more worldly and more carnal than I want to believe about myself. See, whenever I'm not satisfied with what God has given me, whenever I'm not content, whenever I'm not fulfilled with where God has me, then what that says is, I've got a spiritual problem. And I'm more worldly and carnal in my philosophy than I want to admit about myself. This morning I want to be very careful in how I present this, okay? I, I do. I want to be careful in how I present this. Because I do not want to make the message about me. But if I can be transparent and honest with you for a couple of moments, then maybe it'll help someone. But see, a month ago, exactly four weeks ago today, you know what I was? I was completely whole physically. Four weeks ago today, I was looking forward to the ski trip that was happening the next day, the next Monday and Tuesday. I was looking ahead to the wonderful time that we were about to have. So four weeks ago, I was completely whole. I was completely healthy. There was nothing wrong with me physically. And if four weeks ago somebody would have said to me, Hey, Kyle, do you struggle with contentment? Hey, Kyle, do you struggle with satisfaction? Hey, Kyle, do you struggle with being content with where God has you right now? You know what I would have said four weeks ago today? I would have said, No, I don't struggle. 
No, I'm good. No, I, no, hey, I'm, you know what? I'm completely satisfied. No, I, I, I'm completely content. And you know what I've learned about myself in the last four weeks? I'm not near as mature and as spiritually minded and as scripturally sound as I thought I was, as I wish I was, as I ought to be. See, the scripture never says that I have to be happy with all the circumstances of life. See, I should be content, at peace with where God has me in life. I said to Susie yesterday, I'm so frustrated because I just want to get out there and work. I'm trying to help Nathan with some things right now. I'm, I'm trying to, to help him, which will help us and all these other things. And, and, and it's just so frustrating when you're doing everything one-handed and you're trying to do this. And, and then when you do just get stubborn and you decide to go ahead and use the hand the doctor said not to, then you feel it for quite a while after that. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that I'm not near as content with where God puts me sometimes as I'd like to think that I am. Well, whose problem is that? What's my problem? Because, see, what it's basically revealing about me is this. I can't work as much as I want to right now so that I can consume certain things that I want to consume because of this appetite that can't seem to get satisfied right now. Can you identify with that at all? See, if I was what I was supposed to be, if I was where I was supposed to be, then I would have looked at this whole situation, I would have looked at this whole scenario for the last month and what is ahead of me, and I would say something like this, you know what, this is where God has me, and it's okay, I'm fine with this, I don't like all of it, but I'm okay with it. That's what the right mentality and the healthy spiritual mentality would have said, but that's not where I'm at. So what it reveals to me then is this, I'm not as spiritually solid as I'd like to think that I am. Because again, I want to work so that I can labor, so that I can increase, so that I can consume and have more. Now you may sit here this morning and say, Brother Kyle, I, you know, I, I hate it for you that, that you're so immature and you're just, you're lacking and, and, and that's terrible. But I want to ask you some questions. Just be honest in your heart and mind. Just be honest with yourself. Only you know the true answers. But what if tomorrow your world was turned kind of upside down compared to what you thought it was? I'm not saying in a major way because I don't consider my situation to be major except for the fact it happened to me. It's major. If it had happened to you, it's minor. But you understand, for me, it's major. Okay, Y'all didn't catch the humor in that, but I, I'm just saying, if it happened to you, it's minor. If it happens to me, it's major. But the point is this. 
Imagine if tomorrow your world turned around. Do you really want to sit here and say, it wouldn't phase you? It wouldn't change you? It wouldn't affect your spirit at all? If you woke up in the morning and it was your health that was gone, do you think, I'm just asking, do you think that you would have the spiritual depth to say, I'm okay with that? Because I don't have to consume more and more and more and more to be happy. So, you know, if the Lord decides to to affect my health or to allow it to be impacted to where I can't labor like I once did and work like I once did so that I can continue to have all the things that I've once had and once enjoyed. Listen, if, if you could lose all that and be okay with it, is that what you would really suggest? Or if you were honest, would you have to admit there might be a struggle there? If something happened tomorrow and you realized things are going to be tight for a long time, honey. We're not going to be able to consume as we've once consumed. Do you think it would affect our countenance and our spirit and our attitude and our heart any? Because if we're honest, I think many of us would have to say something like this. We're pretty bad, get, pretty bad about getting spoiled to all the luxuries and the extras that we enjoy. And so if we couldn't go shopping maybe as frequently as we like to go shopping or we couldn't eat out as often as we like to eat out. And again, I know these, these are things that we've mentioned in the past, but, but I think it's helpful for us to think about it. If we couldn't just run and do some of the things that we just run and do, if we actually had to pay attention to things financially... Do you think there's a chance it could affect us a little bit in our countenance and our, our heart? Because I think for many of us, we'd like to suggest it wouldn't bother us. But when reality hit us, it'd be a little bit tougher than what we'd like to admit. I'm just saying, I, I think there is something within many of us that if we would just be honest... We'd have to say that everything we do tends to revolve around this. To one day to be able to eventually consume something and enjoy it. That's why we've done what we've done. Even something like this. I've worked hard to get to the point to where I don't have to work hard. So that I can sit back one day and not have to do anything. So let's just consider the question. What if you got to that point and all of a sudden you couldn't kick back like you thought you were going to be able to kick back? Would it bother us? I think for some of us it would bother us. See, so many of us, whether we, again, like to admit it or not, so many of us, we're the person that Solomon talked about. We labor and we toil and we exert ourselves and we do it for so many noble reasons in our mind. We're hard workers. We want to be this kind of a person. We want to do this. We want to do this. Okay, that's all fine and that's all good. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. How much of it, though, really gets back to so that we can enjoy it and so that we can partake of it and consume it? Most of us know this. 
that that's why we do most everything we do so that we can have more. And the problem is, is no matter how much we've been given, we're never quite fully satisfied. So what do we want? Just a little bit more. And that's not the way a Christian should live their lives. It's not the way my life should be lived. It's not the way any person's life should be lived. If I'm a child of God and I can't ever quite fully be satisfied, something is wrong with me spiritually. And that problem is this. Like it or not, I'm living with a worldly, carnal philosophy and approach to life. Are you content no matter what state or position you're in? Are you content, truly, honestly, sincerely content, just knowing that your needs have been met? Are you truly satisfied when God blesses someone else in a way that he doesn't bless you? Most of us can't answer all those questions as well as we'd like to. So what would that say about you? It might be a diagnosis we don't want to hear. It might be something we don't want to think about. But until we come face to face with that reality, we're not going to get any better. You understand that, right? Until we're willing to come face to face with that reality, we're not going to improve in this. We're not going to get better in this. And if we don't come face to face with it, we can continue to tell ourselves we're good when in reality, we're not. I ask you to think about it. I ask you to consider it. Are you able to be satisfied? Or are you always striving so that you can have more? There's something wrong with that picture. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help each of us to just take a minute and to be honest with ourselves. Lord, to consider how much attention and focus we give to ourselves and consuming things and taking things in and the fact that so many times we're never really fully satisfied. God, would you help us today if, if that describes us, if we'd have to be honest and say, you know, that sounds like us. Would you help us today to admit that there's a problem? And the problem is not our inability to have more. The problem is, is we're not satisfied with where you've brought us because spiritually we're not as mature as we ought to be. And so, Lord, if anyone needs to address some things with you today, I pray that they would. And I pray that you'd help all of us to be the men and women of contentment and satisfaction that we ought to be as we follow you. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.